0: You're not alone, you're not alone. There's so many. Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. This podcast aims to provide a safe space that explores mental health within the Black community, breaks down the stigmas attached while taking back our
1: narratives. Next guest her name is Simone Walsh so she's the founder of Essence of Mind Outreach Program she's also the author of Poetic Diary of a Bleeding Heart and she is a mental health advocate I think what's going to be fascinating about her story is her um, her issues with workplace bullying. Yes, and, and harassment. Thank you. And you know what's fascinating is we never really talk about workplace bullying and harassment. Because yeah. the minute you hear bullying, the first place you go to is children yep. and Elementary school,
2: high school. You know, you don't really talk about it in the workplace. And for adults, if we were saying adults bullied,
1: Oh, we don't really hear about that at all. Exactly. So I think what's going to be fascinating when we listen to Simone is not only that this does take place in the workplace, mm-hmm. but how it impacts workers, and how it impacts individuals in regards to their mental health, because there's going to be, you know, you know, thinking about, you know, symptoms of anxiety, symptoms of depression, Mm -hmm. how it impacts that person individually, when you have somebody in the workplace, be it a colleague, be it a, you know, somebody in management, who's now deciding that they are going to try to cut you down, Um, make you feel less than, and just really speak to you in a very downcast manner. So, you know, it's definitely a topic that I thank Simone for bringing, for talking about. Yes. But as well, it's also something that I wish we would talk about more More and that we would actually address.
2: Yes. This is going to be a powerful one. Absolutely. I can feel
1: it. Absolutely. Hi, Simone. This is Stacey and Buchanan. And this is Dr. Natasha Williams. Hi, Simone. How are you doing again today? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. We're doing great. Welcome to the Blind
2: Stigma Podcast.
3: Yes, thanks for having me.
2: <laughs> thank you for being on. So we're we're going to go right into it, and we are going to ask you to tell us and tell the audience your story.
3: Okay. So my name is Simone Walsh, and... I'm an advocate for mental health, founder of Essence of Mind, and also an author. Um, My book is called Poetic Diary of a Bleeding Heart. And my story stems around workplace harassment and bullying, which ultimately led me to my diagnosis of severe depression as well, um, anxiety. So... That's my background as to how I became who I am now and the field that I currently work in. Okay.
1: Simone, can you give our listeners just a little bit more information in regards to um, the workplace, uh, sort of the environment that you were in, and sort of the lead-up to uh, what happened in regards to the workplace bullying and harassment?
3: Yeah, definitely. So I worked for a large company, I would say I worked there for maybe five to six years, and I became the victim of workplace bullying and harassment um, when a switch in management happened. At the time, I did not know that it was bullying. I did not know it was harassment. I just thought, this manager is just having a tough time.
1: Okay, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you if it was, um, you know, bullying in regards to another employee, or if it was from, from the management, um, and and if you could just also describe a little bit, sort of what types of behaviors uh, you were noticing with the, um, the manager that uh, sort of alerted you to, you know, what something is wrong here.
3: Something is wrong. Yeah. Well, it started with coaching sessions. Um, the environment that I worked in, we often had one-on-one coaching and so they coach you on how you're doing what you can work on what you can improve and the coaching sessions was just negative it was just uh, verbal bashing verbal abuse it was not about the job it was mainly about me and so I was like okay what's going on here Mm -hmm. um you know I would always leave the coaching room in tears and I dreaded going into these sessions because it was just about me. and so that was one of the red flags uh, that came up. Also my colleagues never experienced this. Nobody else went through this. It was just myself. and so I noticed the pattern there was just targeted towards me all the time. and so I said something is not right here. I started to then you know document keep little notes and stuff like that. Um, it took a toll on my overall health. I started to lose sleep started to get anxiety going into work. My sick days were extremely high because I was avoiding going in just to avoid this individual, didn't want to have to interact with them. And so I then decided to see my doctor and just let him know what was going on. And the first question he asked was, what's going on at work? You know, because I mentioned I'm not eating well, I'm not sleeping well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and he just brought it back to work. And when I explained the behavior that was going on at work, Right away, he said, you are being harassed and bullied, and now you have severe depression and anxiety. And I was like, depression, anxiety, oh, my gosh. And so I didn't know it was all of those things. I just thought it was the individual just having an off moment. But it continued for two years, and I went through that for two years. So just imagine it's like a nail that you hit with a hammer. Eventually, something's going to snap, something's going to break you can only take so much for so long. Very and true. so that's what I, I experienced. And that's what I went through.
1: Let me ask you when the, when the family doctor actually, you know, sort of laid that out for you, um, mentioned mm-hmm. that you were being harassed, uh, mentioned the words, anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. were you, were you able to receive that? Um, or what was your reaction when you were, when you first heard that?
3: My reaction was I actually laughed. <laughs> I remember laughing when he said that. He was like, yeah, so you have severe depression and anxiety. And I was like, depression, anxiety? No. And I laughed. I'm like, uh... and said, do you know what that means? Do you know what I'm telling you? Because of how I laughed, he was like, okay, I'm telling you something serious here. I didn't receive it well. I felt maybe he was wrong. You know, But he said, all the signs, everything you're telling me, this is what you have. Um, And he explained how we can control it, what we can do to get better, especially my anxiety was really high, medication, therapy groups, and and also to switch departments. He recommended either you quit this job or you get out of this specific department that you're in. So it was a lot of changes I had to do. So I, I didn't receive it well. And to be honest, I didn't listen to him on that first visit, I just said, all right, thanks for your time. And just went on continuing going to work. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't receive it well.
1: So let me ask you then what was your, what was your breaking point or how did you, how did you finally address it? Um, cause it sounds like initially, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't receive this. I'm just going to go back to work. You know, I don't, I don't know what this doctor is trying to tell me. Um, how did you what were sort of the circumstances that just allowed you to say you know what i need i do need to address this
3: yes um my breaking point it it was the actual breaking point when i continued with work and i just slowly started to deteriorate more and more my last coaching session um it was brutal it was very very bad um the manager said things that you're not supposed to say to an employee. And I was young. I was naive. I didn't know better at the time. You know, I just looked at it like, this is a great company to work for. I worked hard to get this job. And plus, I thought if I quit, what am I going to (laughs) do? And so I endured what I was going through. So some of the things were like, are you you stupid? You just don't get it. You should quit. Like you're incompetent. Little things like that. And it was like, okay. So... Um, in that last coaching session, I remember saying, you say a lot of negative things to me and I just don't understand. Like none of it relates to the job really. It's like you have a personal issue with me. And I remember saying, you just make me feel like I want to kill myself. Wow. And yeah, and the manager just laughed. Just laughed. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to have a serious conversation with you, but they didn't take me serious. They just laughed and said, don't be stupid, kill yourself or what? You know, like, stuff like that. And it was like, you just made me feel so low, very low, very, like I'm nothing. I don't know what you want me to do. And I was just in tears while I was saying all of this. And then they said, you know, you're you're very emotional right now. Why don't you take the rest of the day off? Go home early. We'll see you tomorrow. So I left. And I remember driving home and all the accusations, all the negative words were just playing in my head. And I was just driving and I was crying and I was driving and I was crying. And I was like, I'm going to get fired. Maybe I should just quit. If I quit, what will my family think? Like all these thoughts just go into my mind and, oh, it was just awful. And I just thought I didn't deserve to be here anymore to how low I felt in myself. And so I drove My car. I remember just stepping on the gas and I just drove my car into the middle of a busy intersection and I just stopped in the middle of the road and I was like, this is it, I don't care. If anybody wants to hit me, hit me. If I die, I die. I just didn't care. I just lost all care for life, for myself, for everything. And that was my moment when I snapped and I just broke down right there in the middle of the road. And um, this gentleman came out of his truck and he came and knocked at my windows like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You're in the middle of the road. You know, can I call somebody for you? Like, you're trying to get yourself killed. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm trying to do. It was just, uh, I never forget that moment because I was just there. And he just convinced me to drive the car out of the middle of the road to the side. And he just talked me down, called my parents, told them what happened. And that was my breaking point. I I felt I had an out-of-body experience. Like, I felt I was watching the whole thing happen, like a movie. I was, like, on the side just watching this girl in the car, this guy talking to her, you know, the police, everybody coming. It was a hot mess. And that was
2: it. That did it for me right then and there. Wow. Wow, Wow, Simone. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Dr. Natasha, and we're we're just um i want to say in shock that it's it's i'm i'm i feel like i relive that moment with you yeah because i know what it is to be at such a breaking point where nothing else matters mm-hmm. yeah. and you just like let me go right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. i I want, I want to take this back to a a topic that is that we frequently talk about, like in, in September, I don't remember the exact date, but in I think the whole month of September is known as Suicidal Awareness Month. And mm-hmm. people talk about suicide all the time and they're, they're, they're referenced to people who take their lives as them being selfish and not caring about anything else. And I'd be like, you have no idea what goes mm-hmm. through the person's mind when they're suicidal no, I mean, they feel like they're doing the world in a favor by just taking themselves me. out it, it, it's a pain it's a it's a torture and you mm-hmm. feel like everyone will be better off it it, it feels like a sacrifice actually you're just yeah. making the world a better place because you are the one that's yeah, that's dirty in that place and i don't think a lot of people know what goes through the mind of someone and and the battles like just to picture you driving and driving is something that we have to concentrate on when we're driving exactly. and you're driving, you're in tears, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the emotional anguish, the pain, everything is just coming on you. And you're like, this is just my way of, of just ending it. Yeah. yeah you that's know, exactly. it's,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's not a committing suicide. It's a die by suicide. And, I, and mm-hmm. I want a lot of people to change the language around that. And I, and, and just hearing you share that story and here when you were at that breaking point, it, I just felt it in from the, from the tip of my head to like the soles on my feet. I just felt everything. I just felt it. I was there with you in that car. Yeah. And for you to be here and to share your story and to share that testimony of what you've been through, I don't think a lot of people know that there could be workplace bullying. I and i and i'm so grateful for your doctor to address that to tell you that i don't think a lot of people know that you could be bullied and harassed at work at work <laughs> and here you are thinking that your supervisor just kept on having off days yeah kept on having like you know it's like you're i want not say you're picking up for him but you, it's like you're saying you know he's just having an off day and off day yeah and i thank your doctor for 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 labeling and said no this is bullying and this is harassment you're you're getting anxiety from that you're getting depression from that you can't sleep the thoughts of going into work is making you ill right yeah. i don't think i don't think we talk enough about that we hear about high school bullying yes. school mm-hmm. bullying mm-hmm. elementary school bullying but no one really addresses the topic
1: of workplace bullying mm-hmm. yeah. and and how yeah. ha- like how detrimental that could be yeah you can be bullied as an adult and I don't think people recognize that we do have a huge campaign about bullying and you know public school high school that mm. that kind of thing but nobody really talks about being bullied as an adult being bullied in the workplace mm-hmm. and how that impacts uh, impacts us so yeah. you know Simone I am you know I am so um I'm humbled um, by, you know, you sharing, you know, what you had gone through. And I know that that testimony alone is going to uh, touch a lot of our listeners. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, because it's not something that's easily proven. Because oh, when you say yes. you're being bullied at work, they don't just take your words like that. Okay, how can you prove it? Mm-hmm. So you have to prove it. You can't just say somebody's bullying you. And and what they said, I did all of those things and it all came down to who saw, who heard, who was there. Exactly. Yes. They need witnesses, Thank witnesses, you, you witnesses. know. And so that was the whole process I had to go through because I, I did have to try and get this matter resolved. and and investigated and i found out eventually while i was off trying to get better because i couldn't work after that car of course. situation my doctor was like yeah you're done you're <laughs> right. not going to be going to work for a while
2: that's
3: right i found out they investigated the whole matter and the manager ended up being demoted apparently um instead of terminated i, 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 I was yeah. <laughs> i was just thinking the
1: same thing i'm like what do you mean <laughs> demoted but <geez>. i know <laughs>
3: Maybe that happened now, but um, it is hard to prove, and it's not something that happens a lot where people think you go to work and you're bullied, but it's because we don't talk about it to this day, when I share my story, a lot of people pull me aside and they're like, "You know I'm experiencing the same thing at right? right now of
1: course, <laughs> of course." Of course. But can't say like, nothing because like, I don't uh, yeah. know
3: what to do. So hearing you talk about it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's me
1: right there. That's me right there. Mm. The minute you actually I I, I always say the minute you open up your mouth and just say <laughs> yes. what you experience. Yes. It's so powerful because then it, you know, anyone who was either, either there was any shame or anything that was attached yes. to it, it lifts that veil of shame to say, OK, Absolutely. you know what? I am not the only one. I'm the Only one. Yeah. Mm. People were shocked. They were so shocked,
3: especially when I share it in workplaces. A lot of people pull me aside and they're like, can I have your number? I need to talk to you. How did you prove it? I'm having trouble proving it. Oh and my what goodness. do I do? And who do I talk to? Who did you talk to? And it, it, they just feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. Right. It's just like they're so excited. Like, oh, OK, great. <laughs> you got out of it. You're alive. You're well. So exactly. maybe, you know, there's hope for me. And <sighs> so it's something I encourage people to talk about and not to take it lightly when you see one little behavior. Just, just document and and address it right away. Because I didn't do that in the beginning. I was like, meh, but it blew into a big snowball effect, and it
2: took it a toll a on my. huge effect on your life. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. wow. you have to watch it. And and you know, I I just used to look at those people in pain and just think they're choosing to be in pain until the pain chose me, and <laughs> I understood the taste of feeling the pain that sometimes you cannot control, and that's what led me to that car situation and if i'm honest it didn't end with the car it it started there because i then had to be off work i was was about to
2: say like how did you address Mm -hmm. it what after that situation how how were you how did you address your situation then after the whole car the family
3: then especially my my family's background is jamaican and my dad was like thinking you you just lost a good job you just stepped away from all of that (laughs) you know the doctor saying you're mud you know, he's using terms, and I'm like, those aren't the right terms. Let's just talk about this. He didn't understand what was going on with me, mm. you know. And so I I went deeper into my depression. I, I stopped talking to friends. I isolated myself in my room. I didn't go anywhere. I just sunk deep into it. And the thoughts still lingered in my mind, like, okay, so you were unsuccessful with the car and the road. Hmm. How else can we try to, you know, I still wanted to die. I still wanted to go because I just felt so disappointed. I was like, you're such a disappointment. You couldn't even do that. And now you're here experiencing all these different emotions that ultimately just made me feel very, very worthless. So I had other attempts while I was off work. Mm -hmm. And it just led to me finally deciding that, you have to get better. You, you have to, because I had three suicide attempts and I was not successful at any of them. And I started to talk to God and say, okay, why am I here? Why do you keep saving me? Like, what do you want me to do? Like who doesn't succeed in killing themselves? I was just honest. I was just so upset. I was like, you keep saving me for what, why am I here? What do you want me to do? You know, if I'm going to live, you have to show me what, what's my purpose in life. What do you want me to do? And, and, I just slowly started to get better when I entered the hospital for an adult day treatment program. Mm -hmm. And it actually came about with my mom. She broke down the most with me because my last attempt came when I was at home, and she actually saved me, kind of intervened. Oh, my god! She was like, yeah, she was like, have you ever thought of what life would be like without you in the picture? Have you ever thought of the pain that you would leave us, your family? you ever thought of what people would think and say, Simone killed herself. I wonder what was going on in that family. You ever think those things, Simone? I said, nope. <laughs> I never thought of those stuff. I'm I'm focused on numbing that pain, you know. And it goes back to what you just said, Stacey, about the selfishness. Because she was thinking that's all it was. But I was focusing on ending the pain. Yes. You know, I wasn't thinking about mom, dad. How will they bury me? And she was. She mentioned all those stuff. How we're gonna bury you? We don't have this. We don't have that. She mentioned some stuff that I never thought about. <laughs> and I don't think anybody thinks about no, those things no, when you're in no. that state.
2: Absolutely not.
3: You just want to go and, and, and end it. And she broke down, I'm her only daughter. I'm the only girl. And she was like, you're the only daughter. You're my only daughter. If you're not going to live
1: for you, at least try and live for us. Wow. And like, all right. Like. Was that, conv- just, was that convincing enough for you, Simone? Because... Oh, my gosh. It was. She's, oh, she's, wow. she wow. It, it,
3: it did it for me because mm. she said a lot of things. And she said, we love you. We love you. Oh, we love you. We don't okay. understand oh, my what you're going through. I can't say I know what it feels like. I don't know what it feels like. But we love you. And you out of the picture... That's just going to be it for us. Wow. Like she made it sound like it's going to affect them as well. Right. you know. And I just said, all right, Simone, try, take the meds. Because I wasn't taking anything. Because for me to be having these suicidal thoughts, I wasn't taking my meds. I wasn't really going to the appointments. And so I started to try. And um, that's where it started. I went to the hospital. I did my adult day treatment program. I attended, I took the meds, I saw the, the therapist, I slowly came out of my room, slowly started to interact, slowly started to do things. I remember the first time I came out of my room was Thanksgiving, and my entire family was over, and I was in my room. It, it was kind of like they would bring the food, knock on the door, and leave it. It was oh.
1: like, he was sad, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. You know those yeah. movies where they bring a food, a tray, knock on the door, yeah. leave and the then tree, they walk off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, understood. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's that's the life I was in. And then
3: I came out of my room that day. They were here, and everybody was downstairs. And I I came out of my room. I was walking down the stairs, and I remember them muting the TV. They were watching something. And somebody said, wait, somebody's coming down the stairs. And I'm the only one upstairs. They're not expecting me (laughs) to come out (laughs) (laughs) They muted the TV. And I came down the stairs, came down the stairs. And everybody's like, wait somebody's coming down the stairs Then no coming down the stairs someone in our room she don't come out i came down the stairs and everybody looked at me they're like oh my gosh and they started to clap they oh started to cheer oh my goodness. Goodness. Like, uh, what's going on guys like they were in shock
1: oh it almost does sound like a movie though but it, it's does. So, it sounds like it's so it sounds like such an amazing moment though There's, oh
3: Oh, they, my dad hugged me and everybody's like, on!" If my aunties from long time long places came like Peterborough, because I never saw none of them and they were like, Oh my gosh, they hugged me. They're like, So nice to see you. Come have a seat. Hey, bring a plate for her, bring a this. And I was like, Okay, uh nice to see you guys. In that moment I just felt like, Wow. You know, like little things that you take for granted. She mm-hmm. took as a big, big, big deal. Yeah. They were like, You're getting better, it's so nice. And they encouraged yes. me. Oh, and so, yes. oh. I felt so loved that day. I was just like, all right, okay. <laughs> you know, and it just made me work harder for oh them. My, oh the fact God. that they looked so in awe to see me and were glad to see me and, and show that they loved me and needed me here. I was like, all right, let's give this uh, treatment recovery a go.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. it's so amazing to see um to, to hear this because I think a lot of times especially when I'm seeing patients in my clinic yeah. um a lot of times what I'll tell them is is that you know we look for information that confirms how we feel so yes. we end up being and n- not to be condescending but we end up being very tunnel visioned right yeah. so we block out anything that doesn't confirm how we're feeling and yeah. we just feel Filtering information that confirms how we're feeling, so that's what deepens the depression, because yes. because yes. you know if if it's only about me and and I've been getting all of this information about I'm worthless, I'm no good, you know, mm-hmm. are you stupid? Are this any of that information? I'm going to hold on to, mm-hmm. but anything else. I just filter that out. So, you know, my my depression deepens. My 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 desire to be off of this earth and to get rid of this pain deepens. But it's interesting. It's not that your your family never loved you in and throughout this entire time. It was just that A, maybe they didn't know how to express it because they didn't really That's know right. what's going on. They didn't That's understand right. how dire things were. Right. Mm-hmm. But then on top yeah. of that, you know. yourself as an individual, you almost have to, you know, push back the walls of that tunnel so that you actually are able to see that your family was always there, that your family does love you, that, you know, because you also had to be able to also receive that and say, well, wait a minute. Am I, am I missing things that are there? Am I missing what people are telling me and how people love me and, you know, and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just that change in perspective. You know, that, you know, that gives you that spark or that catalyst to just to to move, you know, and to, you know, to continue to embark on that journey. So, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you said it so, so well that, you know, just being able to see how much your family loves you and how Mm -hmm. they, you know, how you matter, it almost now doesn't confirm what you have been feeling in terms of you know I'm worthless I'm no good there's no you know nobody loves me or anything it starts to not confirm that any longer
3: yeah you're so right yeah it was like a confirmation for me and it was a shift Mm. in how I felt because living in darkness in my room and and just being in that state of deep depression and just being with them in that day it changes your your mind and you shift you don't Think of that in that moment,
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know, and I needed that shift, that change of environment, the laughter, the hugs. I needed that. And it helps. I encourage people right now, if you have somebody who is going through depression, anxiety, to be there for them and to just let them know words of positive laughter. Just
1: a little shift helps them.
2: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. really helps them. Thank you for that. Um,
2: Simone, I have to say that mm-hmm. you are an incredible storyteller you're you're you sharing your your story and the emotions that you took me through and I can I'm sitting here looking at Dr. Natasha and like the emotions on her face, the journey that we went yeah. through with you, and 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 picturing you coming down those stairs in your family. Mm-hmm. I know, like Jamaican families, we can be you loud, I mean? and when they start <laughs> cheering for you, you you swear you're like some superstar what? coming down, and it just yes. brings oh, up gosh. your spirit. And and I and I and I was with you in that moment, like yes. when you're in the car, I was with you, and my body was tense. And when you're coming down the stairs, I my tense was released, and when they start cheering, my body's like, yes, I wanted to like. (laughs) your story alone the journey that you put us through and the journey that you're putting the audience through right right now i'm telling you it is it is incredible i i want to know simone right now where are you right now
3: i know right now i i still look at myself as a work in progress but i'm happy to say that i went from like Five bottles of meds so of maybe just one. Oh, and it's progress. Awesome, five awesome, to awesome. one. It was like every time I saw my doctor and my psychologist, they would be like, You're getting better. Let's take away this one. You uh, no longer need this one. You awesome. know, and they were like, You're getting better. This is doing better for you. you're Let's just focus on this one then. So I, I have days where I feel like I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to do anything. But I look back as how far I'm coming from, and mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to go back down that road either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to stay where I am and and progress and get better. So I I'm happy to say that I work in an environment where it's much healthier, and um, I'm able to talk about mental health in the working environment okay. where I can talk to the manager and I say, you know, May's coming up, mental health awareness. Can we do something for the team? Can we do? And she's like, yep, definitely. Go for it. Do your thing. And. We talk about it openly, you know, like we don't hide anything and people aren't ashamed. And so I feel good to go to work. I feel motivated and, you know, inspired. And I share my story in schools and workplaces and I let others know that they're not alone and that this is something that you can conquer and get to a place where you control the illness. It doesn't control you. Mm, And that's what I was living under. It was just controlling me, controlling me until... I just had to get on top and say, no, no, no. I'm going to, you know, steer this ship the way how I want it to go. You know, it's not a bed of roses. You still have days where you're struggling. But if you look on how far you're coming, and I just do lots of self-talk, daily affirmations, and speak life into myself, Mm. you can conquer a lot of things.
2: Absolutely. And
3: so that's the path I'm on right now with just trying to be positive, self-talk. And just um, bring it into my workplace and also in my social gatherings, especially with work. I was very uh, nervous on um, going back to work when this whole thing was over. I was like, I'll never work again, never ever, because I was afraid of it happening. I was like, workplace bullying is out there; another person's gonna come bully me. So uh, I think I'll just stay at home and do my own thing. And so I was traumatized by it. But it took me uh, help with my therapist and my doctors to say, no, you deserve better. That person, that was them. That had nothing to do with you. Because I, I blame myself for that. You know, I was like, it didn't happen to nobody else. It was just me.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know, and so they're like, no, you can't take on other people. You're not responsible for the way other people treat you. You don't know what that person was going through. And so that's where I'm at right now is... I'm slowly still working in in progress, but I feel much better than I have before. And um, I'm just happy to be able to inspire others and to share my story with others, especially with my book. This whole ordeal came because, you know, what I went through, my book inspired from my experience because I wrote a lot of poetry. I kept a journal and my therapist read some of my stuff and she was like, you
1: should consider publishing. Oh, oh wow. like, your therapist uh, your therapist suggested you know? this. Oh, this wow. is amazing. Because I was like, "This is dark stuff. Why would I
3: publish it?" The poems are dark. They're very. She was like, "Exactly why you should publish <laughs> you <have> to see." <laughs> that's
1: it. That's it. Usually, yeah, what the person looks like. Yeah, usually they, you know, we think. Like, usually we think we have to, you know, give this clean, pretty, pretty image. Up, I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. This is what this is what people need to see. People it's, need to see.
3: Right. Right. So I took her advice, and she said, "The more you write, your 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 poems get lighter. You start off very." Dark, but as you get better, your poems show that you're you're showing what depression looks like. Your treatment, you were down here, but now this is very happy. This is very soft. This is very light. So when people read my book, it's very dark in the beginning, the first two chapters, and as soon as you get to the end, you feel very light and like you know what direction to go in. Mm -hmm. And so I took her instructions and sent out a manuscript. And out of fifteen publishers, one said yes. And I could see why, because mental health is something not easily digested. It's a very heavy topic. Yep. And so I was grateful for that. So that's where I'm at right now, just promoting my book and just my charity and just trying to bring awareness, especially in the Black community, because it was very hard to come out to my family, especially my own family, who was just like, nobody needs to know you're going through this. Just keep it to yourself. Which is why I was always in my room. But eventually right. I came out and we talked about it and they all understand. And they're all very supportive of me right now. That's this amazing.
2: So, that is yeah. incredible. Simone, how do you feel, the Black community, how do you feel that like we can change the stigma? Yeah,
3: that's definitely the big one. It's like, <laughs> right. we definitely have to talk more. Like, Make it be normal. Like, have a normalcy to it, just even if it's over a cup of tea over the dinner table, we just need to make it be a regular thing mm-hmm. to just really encourage somebody to to talk about it and to understand it. And if we understand it, then we know how to treat others and we watch the words we say.
1: yeah, you know because my I dad was agree. all about
3: she's mud. Mad, she's a to the mother. No, stop saying that. You know, yeah. so the language has the to language change.
1: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's 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 definite. It's it's for you know, we we hold on to this language for and we've been holding on to this language for such a long such period a long time. of time. You know, and you know, a lot of times change means discomfort, I think, for a lot of people. Yes. You mm. know, so getting to the place where we say, No, you know, enough is enough, we have to we have to shift this because we're actually causing our community so much harm,
3: harm. you more know, than good. Yeah. more than, so uh, yes.
1: Thank you so much. It, that, 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 that's it. We're causing so much harm. And, and, and I thank you for addressing, you know, in terms of changing the stigma that we need to open up our mouths and talk, we need to talk yeah. and we need to change our language. Yeah. yeah,
3: It does. It does. And since I was diagnosed, I have a, another family member who, also came out and just told his mom what he was going through and he was just recently diagnosed as well and he called me and he was just like because of what you went through and how you made it so easy to talk I just told her what I was going through and she handled it well you know she didn't be like oh my gosh you know and I said you see so just having that conversation letting her know like mom this is what's happening with me this is what's going on and she noticed the signs but she didn't know what was going on and I was telling her I was like this is is similar to what i've experienced i believe you know mm-hmm. you have to just bring into the doctrine you know because you have to just talk and get into their world find out what's happening so definitely in our community we just need to make it be a normal thing that we talk about instead of being shocked when somebody says depression or anxiety just be like we need to stop that let's <laughs> just talk about it openly yes. and honestly
2: and to be respectful too when someone exactly. shares shares what they're going through, right? Not to mock them and, and to use yeah. words like mad because you know um, my dad referred to me like that too. So it, it's oh, it's man. it's to get rid of the 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 language, just to change the language, and yes. and to have healthy and positive conversations. 100%.
3: Definitely,
2: exactly, exactly. Simone, your your story has been your story is so powerful it is it is your story brought me on a journey i i went through the emotions with you you're the way you tell your story paints the picture mm-hmm. and i know our audience is listening i i know they're gonna the story they're gonna feel the story because you 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 made us feel this story and i thank you so much thank so you. so so very much because i know personally when I relive certain moments Mm
1: -hmm. it's hard
2: for me not to get emotional because it's like it's playing back in my mind and thank you for your strength for reliving one of the most difficult moments in your life some of the most difficult moments in your life and reliving that and 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 to be able to to bravely share your story with us I I am so grateful and I know Dr. Natasha is is
1: absolutely <laughs> appreciative um, it, of you so much again when you have the ability to tell a story and then have the listeners the the listenership almost visualize oh. um you know what you have gone through then you know that's the mark of somebody that is blessed and that is definitely oh. going to bless others so Amen. please know please know Simone that Thank with you. what you have just shared there are going to be several several Central. people who are going to find healing in what you have just said or what you've just shared so i want to thank you so much for that
2: yeah thank and you i nice
1: much. and mm-hmm.
2: before i end Simone, i'm going to ask you to if you could take one word just one word to describe your journey so far what would that one word be
3: I will use overcomer because of those things, you know. It's (laughs) it's mainly because of those attempts and things that I've been through, yet I keep overcoming, overcoming, overcoming. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I never expected to be this far or to be here, you know. And overcomer is definitely what I would use, just dealing with those difficult situations and to overcome things that I thought would paralyze me.
1: Mm, right, you
3: know, and just be in a position now where I can talk because I I'm not a public speaker I, in school and with friends I'm like the quiet one. So where I am now, I never imagined <laughs> this is where I would be. Right, you know. And sometimes people say, sometimes God has to break you to use you. Oh yes. Lord, oh, yes. My- yes.
1: yes, yes. And your pain mm-hmm.
2: is your purpose. Mm-hmm. That's one of her mm-hmm. favorite mm-hmm. things here. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so, like, I
3: definitely had to get broken because i was never expecting this and the things that i'm doing now it's like my past had to happen to to guide me in this direction Absolutely. Certain Absolutely. things had to happen for you to get here right Absolutely. so i just let me say overcomer and um yeah very grateful for some of the things because broken being broken showed me how beautiful life really is oh my gosh oh, thank you that powerful. is
1: definite, definite. First you of guys all. Know. You yeah. Oh yes. I've, yes, yes, you understood. So first you know, of all, oh go ahead, go ahead, please.
3: Yeah, what I wanted to say is I, I get this asked a lot of times as people say, I'm going through it right now. What can I do with the workplace harassment and the bullying? Is number one, you gotta document, keep a little book, date, time, witness. <laughs> It's good to know when it happened, what did they say, who saw, just in case you want to go further with it, because people shouldn't be speaking to you a certain way, especially in the workplace. It's very hard to prove it's systematic, and so you have to protect yourself, protect your mental health. You're not going into work and just wanting to be bashed. This is your job. This is your bread and butter. You deserve respect, and so I recommend keeping a book, document, and speaking to the right person. In that organization, who can help you? You know, if it's a union rep, if it's HR, or even speaking to the individual themselves who's causing this, maybe give them some warnings. Like the first time, you know, you made me feel away when you said this. I would appreciate it if you stopped. Let them know. Let them be aware because at first this individual was like, I had no idea I was doing that. I didn't know I said that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I made you feel this way. Let them know. And then secondly, listen to your doctor. If you go to the doctor and they diagnose you and say, this is what's happening, listen to them. Because I didn't listen. And I felt if I had listened, I could have avoided being, you know, having that that moment where I just snapped. Because mm-hmm. he saw it and their doctors for a reason, they know, he knew how much more I could take. So really listen to your doctor And once you're treated and go into that recovery process, take your medication, speak to the therapist, just go through that process, because it all helps to get you better.
1: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Simone, first of all, I want to thank you um, just for being open, being raw, being honest, sharing your, you know, sharing your story. And again, knowing that you're going to be blessing so many people, you know, with, with, with sharing your story. I want to make sure that we also give you the opportunity again, tell us the name of your book, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your, um, your, your charity and where can people reach you?
3: Yes, definitely. So the name of my book, again, is called Poetic Diary of a Bleeding Heart. You can get it at your local bookstores. It's at Chapters, Indigo, um, in Brampton at Knowledge Bookstore. And you can also order it online on Amazon. And also the name of my charity is called Essence of Mind Outreach Program. Um, We're a charity that supports families as well as individuals to get help regarding a mental illness. We do this by doing seminars, mm-hmm. events, fundraising activities, and just trying to encourage dialogue in the Black community, especially around mental illness. Um, right now, my angles on Facebook is just my name, Simone Mourney Walsh, Instagram, Simone Walch Walsh, and uh, also the website for my charity is org. So any of those platforms, you can reach me or send me any questions that you guys may have.
2: Thank you. Uh,
1: I you I just ladies
2: want to thank
1: you. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Simone. I, again, you know, we appreciate it. Keep on doing what you're doing, please. Um, I know, um, God has a purpose for you and and Absolutely. I know you know this, but I mean, I think just even sharing your story, it just solidified that, you know, God definitely has a purpose, you know, for your life. And, and, you know, when you asked him, you know, why did he save you so many times? Well, yeah. This is it, mm-hmm. you this know? It. So, you know, I, I'm so glad God is using you for his glory and for, you know, for, for you to, live your purpose. So, yeah. thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much for that.
0: You've reached the end of another episode of The Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts Stacy Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener and you like the show, then please subscribe, rate, and review us on all the major podcast platforms. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at The Blind Stigma and join the conversation. Find out more about each guest and help us to change the stigma while taking back our narratives. This podcast is produced by What's Up Toronto and Stacey Ann Buchanan Productions.